Welcome to episode 19 of In the Abyss Metal podcast. Um, technically, it's our 20th with the bonus, so uh, that's, that's a, a first milestone, I suppose, 20 episodes in. Um, we can welcome some new listeners as well uh, this week from Czech Republic, Brazil, Greece, France, and there's probably a couple of others that I've forgotten, so welcome to uh, more of our international flock. Um, yeah, usual thing tonight the usual sorts of waffle, what we've been listening to, whatever's going on in the news this week. And then we're going to talk about Finland for an hour or so, because we've done Sweden and apparently Finland is even more metal than Sweden. So we'll, uh, we'll come to that in a little bit. Um, before we go on and before things go a bit silly, just want a quick shout out to Wolfman. Um, we're all thinking of you, mate. It's uh, tough times, but we're all here. Um, anyway, how are you two doing? Fine. Yeah, summer's over. Yep, summer is over. It's, it's dark all, outside. It's all drawing in. The bleakness begins. Summer's over for you. My summer's going to start up again in two weeks when I go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's dark when I get up for work in the morning. I mean, it's dark outside now. It's getting cold. The UK economy is balanced on a, on a precipice. The moment <laughs> I, I leave this country, it's going to go in. There's jumps. It's already jumped. Don't worry about that. No, no, no. <laughs> Me being here is stopping it from jumping. <laughs> Once I'm gone, I, I, I take hope with me. Yeah, all right. I, I, I think all hope is lost, to be honest with you, so I wouldn't worry about that. Um, but, look, you know, winter is coming, but winter brings doom and gloom, and doom and gloom brings heavy metal, so, so especially if you're in Finland. Yeah, um, if, you're in, if you're in Cornwall, then winter brings an improvement in the quality of pasties. Because <laughs> all the emits go home. More focus. Seriously, we 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 we're going to be in a situation where the warmest place to record is in a forest around a campfire. Yeah, and I think we should Cheaper. do that. Absolutely. You can always come and you know warm yourself on my burning loins. Too moist. Way too moist. <sighs> we don't need that. Can Can you run the internet off a steam engine? <laughs> you know. Okay. <laughs> There's, I'm sure some um, steampunk enthusiast has worked out a way to do something like that. Well, if it's if it's fucking cheaper, I'll give it a go. We might have a noisy. What we'll do is we'll just do the we'll do the podcast in like Morse code. Yeah, that's fine. We can do that. <laughs> or semaphore smoke signals. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter how expensive life gets, how shit gets. We'll still be here. So one way or another, we'll be my, freezing. My, up, my, we'll be freezing my, my whole problem no with food, this. But... My whole problem with this, with the energy, the so-called energy crisis and the rising bills, whether it's not, whether it's anything to do with the Ukraine or um, Brexit or anything else, you know, it's it, it's so frustrating because it, it's like you can still have fossil fuels if that's what you so wish, but who loses out by investing in green energy? You know, not that you had to foresee this kind of thing coming, but for me, the whole thing with climate change for me and green energy and things like this, it comes down to the point where it's like, if if you're wrong and we're not affecting the climate and climate change is just a brief aberration and it's going to go back to normal, but you invest in green energy and you create a new industry and economy based on it, and then you find out that you didn't need to do that, what do you actually lose? You've created a new economy. You've created jobs. You've researched things. You're getting energy from different sources. You don't lose out on anything. But if you don't do it, 
and climate change and everything else around it proves to be the thing that's going to end us, you have royally screwed up. So I don't see why they have to look at this like it's a zero-sum game. They don't. You're forgetting. If they spend all this money now on investing on renewables and green stuff, that's money they can't spend on champagne and yachts and hookers and all that fun stuff that the rich bastards love. And new kettles. Yeah. It's not, I, I wouldn't even say that it's it's that. It's it's this, if you bring this up with, um, you know, uber capitalists, they're going to be like, oh, well, companies like Exxon or uh, Mobil or whatever, Shell, BP, the energy companies, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. And yeah, if you invest in a company, you should get some something back. I'm not an anti-capitalist. But at the same time, why can't you just say to your investors, do you know what? Bear with us, because this is going to get you even more money down the down, down the line. Yeah. So just like it's it's you know just I'm sick of hearing about the shareholders. It's, you know? we, seem, we seem to be in a position where you've got to make a profit. And it's like, no, if you're if you're a private business, you take that risk. Your shareholders take that risk. And sometimes you have to make a loss. Yeah. Especially, and this is one of those scenarios. They're in a position to make a loss. They, they must be. You can't get that, that big and not accommodate um, accommodate a loss at times. And, and you have to now. But no, profit's a bad word. You, you, your profit's a good, you know, whatever they said. But we're not, it's not about profit. It's profiteering at the moment. I can't see how else it's anything else. That's exactly what it is. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. It's probably too complex to, for me to really understand at this point, but I don't understand what how it's being allowed to get to this level. I really don't. It just doesn't make sense. We're living in a racket now. That's all it is. Living in a fucking racket. Basically, the government are now a mafia that are protecting us from our, <laughs> protecting us from the cold. And and all we're asking for is, is is a glimmer of light through the gloom. And what do Megadeth bring us? More gloom. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 get on to that. We we've gone off on an early tangent talking about the cost of living, which seems to come up most weeks, but it's understandably so. Um, what have you been listening to this week, Padre? You motherfucker. Stuff and things. Um, finished band called uh, so mostly finished stuff. Swallow the sun. Nice Love songs from the that. north. Um, then there's a there's a, a finished thrash band called Amoral. The album 2009 Show Your Colors that was their first album. Have you heard those? No, I don't sound familiar. Amoral. Check them out, really good. So, they've got a song. Um, the album's uh, one of the singles is called Um Year of the Sucker Punch. Um, but that entire album's pretty solid. They, they're quite they go for quite lengthy, almost instrumental sections. They've got some really good riffs. Um, Definitely worth checking out. Amoral. Okay. 2009 show you I'll, um, I'll add them to the playlist this week as well. Yeah. I've never heard of those. And then another one, another Finnish dash band, Air Dash. Yeah. Hospital Hallucinations Take One is the name of the album. And then um, I've been listening to what what is considered to be one of the progenitors of Finnish metal, the thrash band Stone. Yeah. We're really active in the 1980s. Yeah, I liked them. And then I also found... Um, another Swedish band. Now I'm I'm gonna 
struggle to pronounce this because I don't know anything about Swede uh, Finnish. Sorry, Kotitelisus. Uh, I, I can't even pronounce this. It's spelled K O T I T E O L O I S U U S. Um, yeah, they're like they're not. From what I can gather, they're not necessarily known outside of Finland. They're like kind of a, a domestic, very mm-hmm. popular almost like kind of mainstream metal band but they're not cheesy it's just they they and they sing in finnish as well it's not in um in english that's quite a common thing they're worth checking out they've got there's some good riffs in some of their stuff uh again i can't really give you the name of the songs because again they're all in finnish but they're on they're on spotify they're easy to find um i'll just i'll I'll tell you, I'll do i write the I'll write the name of the band in the um, chat box there. Yeah, otherwise we'll be sitting here all night just typing it in. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you, you try yeah. pronouncing that. <laughs> yeah, stumbled across Cot- them. I didn't even try to say it to myself. Cotiolysis. Cotitiolysis. Oh, I don't fucking know. I mean, I still have trouble pronouncing Corpiclani without tripping myself. I, I, I don't... This is the thing. I've got nothing against Finland, but I don't trust countries that have languages with this many vowels. <laughs> I, I I don't, you know, I mean, there's some pretty brutal, that double L sound there, that consonant cluster in the middle, that's that's quite brutal to to learn, you know. Um, it's like, for me, it's like when, when, when people talk about, oh, you know, these languages are the most difficult to learn and, you know, sometimes Finnish comes up and, like, you know, a lot, a lot of them, it's Mandarin, Japanese, Vietnamese is tough, Thai, Thai, that kind of stuff. Well, you know, what if your language is so difficult to learn? What is it you're hiding? <laughs> you know, what, what it, it's it's like it, it's like an inside joke. Like, what is it? What is it you don't want us to know? Who fucking knows? But yeah. Um, Amoral, definitely check them out. Swallow the Sun, very good. Yeah, I like Swallow the Sun. But I was quite um yeah, I, I've, I've listened to both albums, both of those bands' albums most of the way through today. And I did listen to Wages of Sin by Arch Enemy. What do you think? Good. Yeah, solid. Um, yeah. Said to my wife, like, who do you think is the singer? And then I showed her a picture and she was like, oh, it's a woman. <laughs> um, and, I, and, I was, and I was like, is that representative enough for you? Do you need more? Um, not Canadian, though. It's not like that. Nah, she's, like, no. she, she's, she's very small. I mean... She's yeah, she's tiny. What, five foot? Yeah. She's like like a female Dio. Yeah. Um I see it. She's... So yeah, no, on on this is the thing though. I've I'm I'm I've I know I've been in the car and I've been at festivals with other people and you guys as well. But I, I there was two there are two songs on that album that I recognized that I, I know I've heard before. Yeah. Um but yeah, def- definitely it's something that I will now go back and, and listen to. Um because I thought, see, the thing for me is, I, okay, I don't like the vocals. I'm not a big fan of it. But the the guitar playing and the instrumentation behind it is worth listening to. I thought. So, when 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 you have a band like that, and the music is very good, which I thought it was, then I, I can I can kind of I don't concentrate on the on the the growling vocals. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of growling vocals. But if if the music shit and the growling vocals, it 
I, th I think this is the problem with some of the more extreme forms of metal. You can have a really run-of-the-mill generic band and have an, a re and have a very good singer, and you can that can cover up for it. But if you've got someone who growls, can you actually say to yourself, "Oh my God, I love their growling"? No. In the same way that you could say, "I really like um, uh, Miles Kennedy," or. Um, Chris Cornell or Lane Staley or Bruce Dickinson. I, I don't like Miles Kennedy. Um, <laughs> I think, I think. No, but he's got a good voice. Yeah, it, it, it's like fucking fingernails down a blackboard for me. I think the thing is with like growling vocals and screaming and all that. If if it's got a real intensity to it, like hardcore is a perfect example of that. If it's really intense and it goes with really intense music, then it works and it, it, it kind of you know. Like bands like Cancer Bats, for instance, are a really intense, full-on band, and the vocals are really fucking intense and full-on, but it works, you know? So yeah. if, if the balance is right, then it's fine. But I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, for example, when Killswitch Engage don't grab, I don't mind them. Yeah. But I, I just, I could never get on board with them. And, and to be fair, I mean, I've seen Killswitch Engage live, and I was kind of really turned off by just how stupid they were like they, they came across as incredibly immature and silly there were they used to be a little bit like i mean i haven't seen killswitch for years i don't know if it's still the same now but yeah it was always a little bit comedic on it well yeah comedic but for who comedic for a nine-year-old yeah like you know like i mean do you remember when we saw pearl jam and it was it that the vandals and the pietasters were supporting yeah and he just basically got naked on stage yeah okay fair enough funny yeah whatever <laughs> but but then like, you're laugh at this. Um, I, I, I remember telling my wife years ago, I said, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, we saw Pearl Jam in like, you know, 19, no, 2000. And I said, oh, I said, the Vandals and the Pie Tasters were supporting them. And she was like, that's really weird. Like, you know, have the Vandals supporting Pearl Jam. And then she just looked at me and she goes, did he get naked? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he did. And she goes, oh, no, he always does that. She goes, she goes I've seen him at like on, on Warp Tour and, in Van's tents, loads of times he goes, he, he, he can't keep his clothes on. It's um, <laughs> he calls himself he he who cannot be named or something, isn't it? I think is the bass player. Yeah, yeah. Um, terrible fucking band, but but yeah. Um, Anthony, what about you? Um, Machine Head, which we'll we'll come, come back to Machine Head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Wild Hearts. Yeah, yeah. Just need some rock and roll and big choruses, really. So yeah, I've been listening to fuck a lot and uh, journey. Oh dear God, you've given because up. I'm getting old, and I just need that simplicity and that emotion and something. You've given up. Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, I think there's been a lot of heavy stuff lately, uh, and there's a lot of heavy stuff non-music-wise going on. And I just, I just, I just need songs. Yeah, basically, I, I just need I songs. That. Um, that's pretty much where I'm at at the moment. Um, yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, um, no, no, I'm just enjoying it. It's just, it's, it's just old school, simple, no nonsense, AOR. Um, so definitely, yeah. Uh, Definitely something to keep coming back to. In terms of Finnish stuff, uh, I've been looking into, I've been sort of hoovering up various names and I'll probably do more listening in the next week. Now I've found stuff I want to 
check more out. So I'll well, it is a uh, to this one. It is a smorgasbord of metal, but we'll um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, what have I been listening to this week? Um, Butcher, sort of Belgian speed metal, um, mainly because the album I came across is probably the best fucking album title I've ever seen. 666 Goats Carry My Chariot. What an awesome name for an album. Right, and you know, okay. it's, it's pretty good. As far as speed metal goes, it's, it's pretty good. Um, Funeral Chic that you said about last week, I had a good listen to them this week. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. that the good. video was... was Hilarious. Yeah. Um, bit since Wave Midnight Danger, sort of fairly, fairly sort of straightforward run of the mill synth wave, but really enjoyable. Good workout music. Um, and that brings us on to the new Machine Head album. Now we mentioned it last week, and I said I'd go away and give it a listen, um, give it a proper listen. So I did, um, with an open mind. Um, and um I don't want to just sort of slag it off because that's sort of a bit predictable, but it's too long for a start. Yeah, yeah. The first song is 10 minutes. No need for it. You know, even Maiden don't do that kind of thing. Absolutely no need for it. Um, the production is very good. I'll give it that. It's a great sounding album. Um, it's the clean, the clean vocals are strange. It just doesn't, it, 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 it sounds really processed because we all know that Rob Flynn doesn't have great clean vocals. So it just sounds a bit processed, a bit pro tools, just layer upon layer. It's trying too hard to be epic and sprawling. And, you know, it's look at us with this big epic metal band doesn't work because machine Head are too intense for that, you know, and I, I kind of see what they're trying to do. Maybe they're trying to mature or whatever it is, but it just, it just doesn't work with the whole machine head. Well, then mature in your own time. Stop shoving it down everyone else's throat. Yeah, there is that. Look, just there's, there's, there's one song in it called Unhallowed, which is probably the most melodic song on the album, which is quite good. Um, it's got a really good catchy chorus and a good riff through it, but it just... It, no. We'll go back to last week talking about the 10 out of 10 review on Blabmouth. I don't know what the fuck he was listening to. Because even the most ardent Machine Head fan surely can't see that as a perfect album. Absolute bollocks. I give it a three out of ten. And that's being generous. It's funny because, you know, you said earlier, oh, the production is quite good. When you, as as a teacher, when you're grading work and you're like, well, you know, you you, you used the right colours <laughs> and you wrote the title. You know, it's like it's like when you're kind of like really rubbing around for something positive to say oh yeah the production was great yeah the, yeah the production oh mate seriously yeah that's it that's, that's yeah yeah that's um, kind of all uh, i can say about it the, the production though wasn't good enough to cover the fact that you're a pretentious twat yeah um i think that that hits the I, I, and i think i think that is it it is i don't even need to listen to it to know no, that no, it's no. pretentious twaddle if, because i am I'm I'm very familiar with pretentiousness, <laughs> and I, I. So are our listeners. When it when it exists in you at your core, you can see it in other things. Yeah, it's definitely got that. I don't don't bother listening to it. It's it's sort yeah. of it's an yeah. hour of your life you'll never get back. I, I do you know I would love that to see an album sometimes like you know in Kerrang or something or or any of the other music media, and it's like you know in depth review, and then you turn to the page and it just says 
don't bother. <laughs> That's it. Like, picture of Machine Head, name of the bat, uh, title of the album, just don't bother. No, just don't. It's not worth it. So yeah, I, yeah I, just don't. It just feels like all the reviews are just blowing smoke up Rob Flynn's ass, really. So, and, and well, you know what it is, don't you? They blow smoke up his ass so they can get him like, to comment on stuff to turn and create clickbait. Yeah. You know, and if, if Rob Flynn really wanted to impress people, he should come on here <laughs> in, in onto hostile territory <laughs> and, you know, you know, answer, justify why he thinks a concept album, why, 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 why was the need for it to be ri- ri- written? Who gave him permission? <laughs> Rob Flynn is more than welcome on this podcast. Rob Flynn, the person, is more than welcome. Machine Head, the band, are not. Be careful what you wish for. Let's, 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 yeah, let's, let's leave it at that. Um, and let's quickly talk about the new Magnet album because that dropped today as well. I've only listened to it briefly and I was really disappointed with it. Uh, it's only one listen, so I'll give it a couple more goes, but uh, I haven't listened to it yet. It, the strongest song is, is was the first song they dropped. I can't even remember what it was called. Um, but it's it's just boring. It's like a bit somewhere between Countdown to Extinction and Euthanasia. And it just doesn't really go anywhere. There's no hooks. There's some good solos, but again, there's no real melody to it. Nothing that sort of draws you in. It's just a bit boring. So I think, you know, from a creative point of view, I think, you know, Megadeth are done. They haven't done anything properly good for many many years now so it's time to not bother anymore unfortunately and carry on playing live that's fine but they don't need to record <laughs> yeah it's, it's a shame but it's inevitable I mean I mean I, I didn't see the need for like a lot of, a lot of those big four bands or the Bay Area stuff from the early 1980s they don't need to keep producing new material I know they think I mean, from what I understand, they've probably got record deals and they have to make an album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're going to make, I mean, they're going to shift a couple, several hundred thousand copies at least. So they'll probably be able to, you know, make some money back on it. Um, yeah, but with, with streaming now, even even the big dogs don't really make any money out of releasing music, do they? So nah, it's just whatever. No. The last Anthrax album wasn't bad. It's probably been the strongest one. But other than that, you know... Yeah, but it's not like we're expecting. We're not sat here expecting them to rewrite, you know, or write another Rust in Peace or Peace Sales, but who's buying? No, no. like I'm not expecting another Master of Puppets from Metallica. But could you give us something? And that's you know, don't give us anything. Just stop. You've done your bit for for the metal community. Just talk. (laughs) Yeah, just talk because that's all people want to see. We want to be able to go and watch Metallica or Megadeth or Maiden or someone like play for two or three hours and just play all the hits, play all the really good stuff, and they go away going, I'm glad that that 100 quid I've just spent on that ticket was well worth it. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, they're a leg- these, are, these are legacy acts, though. Yeah, that's true. You know, they're not, they're, they're not touring because they can't pay the bills. They're not touring because they've got, they're, they're, you know, they're hungry. They're touring because it's what they know, because it's what they do, because it's how they've been brought up in the industry. You're a band, you tour. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and But they've been doing it long enough that they know what constitutes a good show. They know they, their experience, their old hands. They know how to structure a set and everything. They know how to interact with the crowd. So, you know, that's what they're good at. Do that. Yeah, it's true. 
that's that's what we the fans want. But I, I get it from a musician's point of view. They want fresh material to play, don't they? they, they they're going to get bored playing the same. Yeah, but then, this this is the thing. Which, if you, the more material you write, the more tendency there is to push out staple uh, staples of your set list in order to accommodate new material, and then people are going to go away disappointed because they didn't hear X, Y, or Z. I mean, you know, do you, do you remember? Have you ever have you ever you know had a chat with anyone that was at Donington '94 when Metallica decided it was gonna it was a good idea to like pre- preview some stuff offload and it went down like a like a lead balloon. '95, wasn't it? '95. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and they previewed stuff offload yeah. and it just went down like a lead balloon and people were like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Yeah, you know, I mean, especially at Donington. Yeah, that was that was the year they were playing. Um, there's a video on YouTube and they actually play Slayer covers. Um, it's, um, they, I remember they, uh, I know Wolfman, because Wolfman was at Donington in 95 and he was saying they played, uh, it was on Reload, is it called Devil's Dance, I think? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said it was like, a, you know, when they played that first time, it was it sounded like sad but true kind of thing. It was really heavy and really, you know, and it sounded good. And then the recorded version came out and it was just, what the fuck is this? So... Yeah, I, I don't know, but you're right. They, they're just legacy bands now. All we want to go and see is, is is see them play the classics and and not much else. Um, and talking of that, uh, let's do a bit of metal news um, in terms of legacy bands. Anthrax have cancelled their European tour, boo, but still playing the UK. Yay! Not that any of us are going, but seeing this happen quite a lot now that bands that have got Europe and UK tours, they're cancelling one or the other and they're struggling to do both. Why? I can I, I can only assume it's got something to do with Brexit and moving between the UK and the rest of Europe. Um, but I, I know, I think Terror and Not Close that saw earlier this year, they had the same problem. They couldn't do both. They did the UK and there's been a couple of others. Is it well. the visas? Yeah. Possibly, yeah. It's logistics. Hang, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What? This is the problem though. This, this... If you're an American band like Anthrax, you, you'd have to get a visa for any country in 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 Europe. Or are they getting an EU visa? I, I don't know how this works. This should be interesting. I think I think I think it's an EU visa, and obviously to come to the UK, that obviously doesn't apply. So yeah, but what, so what? <sighs> but all these ba- all these bands that or I say all these bands, the bands that I've seen that are cancelling for these reasons are putting it down to logistics. They're all kind of given the same. And logistics is a really vague term when you're talking about this kind of subject. Isn't it? So the only thing I can think of is, is it's related to Brexit because previously this kind of thing never happened. They were just tour. A European tour was the UK and Europe. Maybe they can't um, afford the, the transport costs. Of, and that's the logistics reason, the logistical reason. I know um, when uh, so when we had Serena Cherry on uh, on the podcast a few weeks back, she talked about um, they can only take limited amounts of merchandise into Europe and things like that if they're going from the UK and into into Europe. So it's probably all this kind of stuff is just making it difficult for them to to do it all. So they, they kind of have to make that decision and just not do it. There's a few bands it's that cancelled cancel Bloodstock this year. Hatebreed were one of them, and they put it down to finances and logistics. But it is it is a strange one because. The EU is is one, you know, is one thing I think to get uh, visas for. I could be wrong, but if they, I, I think they should. If anything, Britain is for is for one that's separate now. 
that's yeah, one that yeah. they've got to do the extra thing now instead of yeah britain's the outlier yeah, yeah exactly and, and I, know, like, I know traditionally it used to be that bands would from america they come and do britain and ireland first because they get a, a merch person who was very involved with that or they'd set up and then they'd move on um and they they can't do that so easily now but it yeah it, it it's it does doesn't make sense to me that they they'll do britain and ireland yeah i think they're doing ireland yeah which there you go like you say that's eu but not the rest of europe i mean is 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 there something to do with with ukraine and vicinity of i don't know i mean what about this so if, if we can just re renegotiate the exit agreement for brexit and have like a thrash tunnel <laughs> that bands can go down um and they can take as much merch as they want and they don't have to worry about tariffs or taxes or visas you know that should have been negotiated into like you know a, a thrash backstop as a, if you were you know if you will it's like you're taking the the kind of artistic food out of my mouth you know we can't even see fucking bands now like i've i'm so done with fucking brexit it's like (laughs) yeah yeah that's it it's you know it's now affecting the metal community so and that's 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 i don't give a shit about the fucking fisherman okay i I want my metal Maybe, um, maybe we need to get Santa Marin to step step up and, uh, and 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 take over the EU and and you know bridge that gap for the metal fan. Oh well, this way she's got another election next year, hasn't she? So she might not even make it to the next term. If well, she'll probably be too out of her tree on pills to notice. So fair play to her, I say. Um, Cradle of Filth. Uh, this collaboration with some ginger cunt came out a couple of years ago, but now apparently it's happening. Cradle of Filth and Ed Sheeran are going to collaborate on a song. I know Ed Sheeran's just done something with Bring Me the Horizon, hasn't he? Which doesn't really equate in the same way, but Cradle of Filth and Ed Sheeran. Now, I'm going to put this down to one thing. Danny Filth is no mug. He knows exactly what he's doing. This is exposure and this is revenue for his band. 100%. Apparently, apparently the ginger cunt is a metal fan anyway, but I believe that when I see it. Really? He's a metal fan? Right. Apparently so. I'm putting Ed Sheeran on notice because me and him <laughs> have a reckoning in the future. I don't know when it's going to come, but it will come. I'm, I'm going to, if I ever bump into him, I'm going to unleash the fucking fury. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Firstly and foremost, for corrupting the Wolfman. This is true. Um, I mean, who are you more angry with? Eve for eating the apple or the snake for tempting her? The <laughs> snake! Okay? This is like original sin for metal fans. And it needs to be stopped. You can't stop it. It's happening. Uh, they, uh, there's probably been some, some uh, backstreet contact from the uh, Suffolk Tourist Board. Yeah, they're, they're all from the same town, aren't exactly, they? Exactly, so yeah, they're all, they're all local of, to each other. Yeah, it stands to the reason why they're doing it. I'm surprised they didn't get Justin Hawkins involved as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Justin Hawkins and Danny Filth, though, that's, that would that would smash windows. You know, dogs would be howling all over the country. <laughs> you couldn't do that. That's not fair. On a slightly less positive note, the, um, the story about Scott Kelly from Neurosis 
uh, actually all, all came out into light this week, which is pretty horrific. Um, first read about it, I think, in sort of 2019 that he was either left or was kicked out of neurosis because of the, the accusations about him and, you know, the systematic abuse of his family. But he's, uh, he's come out and admitted it now and says he's retiring from music to focus on, you know, his family's recovery and stuff like that. I mean, the stories are pretty fucking horrendous. Sounds like a total cunt, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, good riddance to him. But, you know, a band that got that kind of legacy and now kind of, it almost kind of ruins that legacy of 35 years because of his shitty actions. So it's um, all a bit of a mess, that one, but not a particularly positive story, but, you know, needs mentioning. And also uh, another one, um, Thunder's Danny Bowes, uh, suffered a head injury a couple of weeks ago and had to have surgery, had a brain surgery and has been in intensive care, um, which meant the uh, the charity show at the, the Hybrid Garage has been cancelled, which disappointed that because I had tickets for that. Um, so get well soon, Danny Bowes. Um, and tomorrow night is the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert, isn't it, at Wembley? With a, uh, a massive lineup of everyone from Brian Johnson and Brian May to fucking Liam Gallagher for some reason. Anybody going to watch it? It's it's being broadcast live, isn't it? No, I didn't. I didn't even know about it till I saw it on this list. Yeah, it's being oh. broadcast live. I think it's on MTV's YouTube channel, and it's on. Oh. I think it might be on Paramount Plus as well. I'll, I'll probably watch it. There might be some good stuff on it, depending Maybe. on who does what. Um, there are some. There are some interesting people involved in it, but. I don't know. It's um, I, I don't really know what to make of it. To be honest, it might be one of those things that works out really good and really entertaining, but it might also be a bit, yeah, a bit cringy. I don't know. Let's let's hope it's the former and not the latter. I don't, I don't know. It could be. You you always get something out of it. I mean, you think back to a Freddie Mercury one years ago, and something great comes out of that, doesn't it? The thing with I don't know, and this is this is like where we are with, with different eras. And I think we've talked about it before that you don't really have those proper music legends anymore like you used to, your David Bowie's, your Annie Lennox, you know, Guns N' Roses, all that kind of thing, when they were in their prime. You look at the list of artists that are involved in, in the Taylor Hawkins thing. And obviously, the, you know, there are some proper legends in there. Like I said, Brian Johnson, John Paul Jones from Zeppelin, uh, the remaining members of Rush, Stuart Copeland, all people like this, it's great. But you look back at the Freddie Mercury concert and it was everybody it was like who's who of pop music rock music heavy metal they were all involved you know from Robert Plant to David Bowie to <laughs> Gary Sharon James Hatfield Tony Iommi Slash Axl Rose Lisa Stansfield you know, and the mighty Lisa Stansfield and not not forgetting Paul Young you know and it's um it just doesn't have the same kind of it just doesn't have that same kind of sort of I iconic status, no. Yeah, that's that's it. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's iconic status. You know, so but I'll I'll watch it and uh, I'll uh, you know I'll, I'll talk about it next week. Lars is is performing. No, no Lars no. is involved. Hopefully he's wearing his white leather jacket, you know, reminiscent of uh, <laughs> of the Freddie Mercury one. So uh, but yeah, I'll I'll watch it and I'll uh, I'll report back next week and see how it was. I think it's on for about five hours. Oof. It's long. Oh, well. It'll still be on YouTube then. I think that's a, oh, yeah, it will. Yeah, that's it will. watching chunks. Um, I think that's about it. 
Really? Should we get on and talk about Finland? No. Try. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a bit tentative about some of the pronunciations now, but yeah, this yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> I, I, this, I apologize. I apologize in advance if I mispronounce anything, uh, people. So uh, yeah, well, yeah, you, we, yeah, we did. We've you just, just said, um, you said the pronu- you said the pronunciations. <sighs> That's wrong. Here we go. It's the pronunciation. Uh, so I don't care. <laughs> no, neither do I. No. But yeah, we've uh, we, you know we've just welcomed listeners from Finland to the podcast, so let's not uh, let's not turn them away straight away. Eh? Yeah. Um, so the reason we're talking about Finland is because we did Sweden a few weeks ago, and you know we all know what the Swedish metal scene is like and how big it is. But Finland almost takes it to another level, and you know going by the statistics, there's more metal bands per capita in Finland than any other country on earth. Um, it's a small country, but it just seems to churn out so many great metal bands um you know to name a few obviously children of bottom nightwish probably the biggest ones sentenced ensophirum you know quite a lot of folk metal out of finland corpiclani chorizos bands like that a lot of driving goth metal you know swallow the sun amorphous sharon sentenced all that kind of stuff it's kind of got its own its own sound almost so we want to we want to have a bit of a dive into why heavy metal is so popular in Finland. Where did it all start? Um, and, and what's the appeal? Uh, and even we'll even talk about Hevasaurus, which is just just genius, really. It's absolutely genius. We'll come back to that in a little bit. That's, I, yeah. So when you um, when you when you think about Finnish metal, what is it that kind of that sort of sticks out? Over over you know American metal bands, German metal bands, British metal bands. What is it about Finland that these these export bands that are so recognisable and some of them some of them are amazing. You know, Children of Bottom in their prime were brilliant. Honestly, for me, I can't really pinpoint it um, distinctively anyway. But I think if I had to pinpoint anything, there's a there's a sort of ethereal quality to them yeah that you don't quite get with other bands and i i I think the example for me is i'm not a big i'm not big on power metal maybe i need to give it more of a go but it's not really my thing for reasons but finnish power metal seems to have a bit more atmosphere to it yeah which pulls me in a bit more um, and makes it more tolerable to me but yeah I i don't know um because it's metal They've got some good good stuff to them, just like the Swedes, just not the Norwegians. And on the face of it, it's difficult to tell. Do you think, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about Norway as well on a future episode, but if you take the three, like, you know, the three main Scandinavian countries, Sweden, Norway and Denmark, Sweden, obviously, we've talked about um, that, the Gothenburg sound and all that kind of thing. But I think with, with Finnish metal, it doesn't matter what type of metal it is, you can kind of tell that it's from Finland. Uh, yeah, I, I think, and I could be wrong here. I could be wrong. I, I feel that Sweden is very, or well, Sweden and Norway certainly are very good at choruses. Yeah. They've got that in terms of structure versus chorus. Maybe they might play with it, but it's very, it's very much that. And certainly they are, their choruses are big and they can do, do, do things a classic way. The Finns, they can do good choruses, but they 
I think they they play around with other song structures more to the point where the chorus doesn't have to be big because the whole thing's got um, a lot more, I suppose, going on. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a word because I'm, I'm scrabbling here, but it, there's enough variety in one track um, to keep to keep you in. Um, it's accessible without being commercial. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I suppose you talk about choruses. I mean, just off the top of my head, there's been some some absolutely belting choruses that have come out of Finland over the years. Stradivarius, Hunting High and Low is one of them. Um, I'm going to put. I'm going to say something here actually because I've, <laughs> I've never. If you go to Spotify, um, and I think their top two songs are Hunting High and Low. Yeah. And Black Diamond. Right. Uh, no, and I'll and I'll confess I've never really heard any Stratovarius before. So I did listen to a couple of things doing the same with other bands. And I listened to those two tracks because they had all, you know, they had like millions of listens. Yeah. All that. Um, and disappointingly, they weren't covers from our heart and kiss. <laughs> um, and I've realized the reason they've probably got that many millions of listens is because there's other people who thought, oh, I wonder if that's a cover and gave them a listen. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> But in fairness, though, Hunting High and Low has got an amazing chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that, that was good. It's a proper yeah, anthem, that. And uh, yeah. it's like um, Full Moon by Sonata Arctic is another one. It's just this, oh. this huge galloping chorus. I, I think I think Tallulah is going to be on my power ballad list. Yeah. They write a good power ballad, mm. Sonata Arctic. They really do. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, the different bands and that because there's a lot of variety that's, that comes out of Finland as well. Like I said earlier on, there's... It's quite a strong sort of goth metal scene. There's there's the folk metal, there's the death metal, there's a bit of black metal that comes out of Finland. Bands like Impaled Nazarene that John Peel was was a big fan of. Oh, yeah, used to oh. play it on uh, on um, the on his BBC show quite often. Oh, okay. Always in a bit of Impaled Nazarene. And of course, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of glam metal as we know now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there is. Yeah, so and troll metal as well. With oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, who, um, <laughs> yeah who, who I believe sang in Swedish. What, Fintroll? Yeah, I think so. I, I'll be honest, I can't tell the difference. I think. I will double-check that, but I, I, might, I may be wrong. But I'm pretty sure they did. Um, so let's, let's sort of talk about, you know, why the, the metal scene is, in Finland is so yeah. strong. Um, Padre, I'm sure you've got a summary <laughs> of facts that will... Uh, <laughs> That will give us an idea. Padre's <laughs> corner. Uh, yes, well, uh, Fintroll do sing in Swedish, by the way. So I was right. If you go, if you go back to what you were saying earlier about choruses and why they write so many, why why they're so good at choruses, I think that's a good question because obviously writing choruses, writing we're not talking about writing catchy hooks and tunes, are we? Not you know, not mainstream. But it's kind of like symphonic, dramatic. The word that was the, the word that was used earlier by Anthony Ethereal. Yeah. Um, even though he seems to be having problem with words today, I'm um, always having problems with words. Well, I, I'm, 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 it's starting to grate a little. You know, I actually went away and I actually looked at the uh, uh, 2018 core curriculum, <laughs> the national curriculum of Finland. <laughs> But this is what it says. Of course, in the, you did. This is what it says in the national curriculum of uh, Finland. 
The challenge with basic education in the arts is to make it accessible to everyone and to support multiple ways of growing up into a life that embraces music. Both students with their sights set on music as a career and those simply enjoying music as a leisure pursuit can gain the maximum benefit from any form of musical study. And that's the ethos that's at the basis of the Finnish education system's approach to teaching music. Now, now, firstly, would you ever see anything like that in the UK national <laughs> curriculum in regards to learning music? No, you would I think that, yeah, that's a resounding no. Yeah, but that is, that's such a nice, I thought that was such a nice way of putting it. Both students with their sights set on music as a career or those simply enjoying music as a leisure pursuit. The idea is to support them both equally. And if you just want to, you know, mess around on a load of xylophones, then they're going to give you the opportunity to do it. And if you really want to get to like grade nine on the violin, they're going to make it accessible for you. And you're going to be given the support if you want to do that. Um, then the other thing I found was the national core curriculum, again, this goes back to 2004, but it's been revised in 2018, actually gives music teachers the complete freedom to select whatever music they want to teach. So if a music teacher at a secondary school in Finland wants to teach them Slayer, they are allowed to. If they want to teach them others, other Finnish metal, they are free to pick whatever music they want to teach. Um, That's amazing. And so you've also got then a, a network of state-supported extracurricular music schools that exclusively up until the last four or five years, I think from the reading I've done, uh, taught classical music and had entry requirements. Uh, and this was in order to um, build up the population of musicians that could then go to these smaller regional or... Um, uh, kind of symphonies because Finland has invested a lot of money in sending in building up a pool of musicians that can play classical music in in the in the region so it's like you don't have to go to Helsinki to hear classical music you, you, you can get it in your town and this is state supported so I think if you've got a pool of musicians that have been classically trained or even have an appreciation or a passing knowledge of classical music, that might be a reason why a lot of the Finnish metal you hear has got good chorus sections or is more kind of expansive because they're willing to go off onto tangents with um, uh, instrumentation and things like that. Or maybe they just, they've had that influence from being exposed to classical music. But there is there is a real complexity to, to a lot of Finnish yeah, metal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think as well, um, and and looking looking at kind of cultural reasons why you might why Finnish people might be kind of more susceptible to the the charms of uh, uh, metal. Um, there's a commentator called Miko Sari. He's the founder of what's called the Metalli Messu, which is the metal mass, and he. he a quote I found from him was Finns are known to be reserved, serious and very honest. Somehow heavy metal fits into this as it's no nonsense, honest and straightforward style is quite gloomy and appeals to a lot of Finnish people. Um, and I think as well that 
from the reading I've done, another quote I found was that um, Finnish metal has spurned or or has been spared being tainted by by some of the the tropes and the, the actions that have gone on in other Scandinavian music scenes, such as church burnings, for example, in Norway, and it doesn't seem to suffer from the same association with racial identity, exclusivity, white supremacy or Nazism that other forms of metal have suffered or been associated with because of fans or because of the bands in North America, the UK and other parts of Europe. So Finnish, the Finnish view metal as being something that's not harmful. It's not um, a threat. It's nothing to be scared of. And that goes, and I think we can segue now from from that into what you were saying earlier about the band. Um, what was the name of the band that, that dressed up as dinosaurs? Heavy Yeah, yeah. There's there's another one actually. It's Heavy Saurus and Sour Sour They're the ones that actually dress up as dinosaurs and play church kid friendly metal. Um, I think as well. Um, you've got the 2007 Ari Kovanan in the on the Finnish TV show Idols, or the, the Finnish version of American Idol or the UK Idol, one playing heavy metal. That was uh, when was the Lordy? 2006. Okay, so that's uh, followed quickly by uh, that follows Lordy quite quickly. Um, yeah, so the. Heavy Saurus and Sarah Rexet dress up as dinosaurs and perform children-friendly metal songs. I mean, if that if that is the image, is if if kids are being exposed to something that's akin to Barney the Dinosaur or the Teletubbies, but it's metal from an early age, they're going to be more at least more susceptible to it or more forgiving of it. Because if you've grown up with something, you're less likely to take the piss out of it when one of your friends starts dressing wearing like you know a bandana and Slayer t-shirts. You're not original. You're not. You're not automatically going to assume that that person is, for lack of a better phrase, a Marilyn Manson wrist-slitting freak. <laughs> um, so I think um, one of the things that I found was that if you look at the look at if you look at why Finland has a strong metal scene, you, you one of the reasons you need one of the things you need to look at is you need to view it through the lens of economic geography, and there's something called agglomeration. And this is the kind of propensity for um, actors within a scene or with an industry or within um, a group to, to um, cluster together in geographic areas. So, for, you know, a, a very familiar example of this would be where traditionally, where were all the newspapers based? Fleet Street. In the UK, so you, you kind of like an industry will con- will agglomerate around a specific geographical area, either within a city or within a part of a country. Now, going back to what we've discussed in the Swedish episode, when we talked about the importance of the Gothenburg scene and the influence of Peter Tangent from Hypocrisy and the influence of the labels and the influence of the surrounding infrastructure of the scene is just as important as the music because it gives you that cradle of creation as it were where bands can come bands are pulled in or people are pulled into those scenes and then they find the apparatus exists for them to then form bands and then also 
learn from their contemporaries and be influenced by their contemporaries. And that is quite a very powerful effect on perpetuating the scene. It's almost like a production line. So, for example, a Finnish style melodic death metal band, for example, um, in an isolated area or a vacuum operating outside relevant support structures would lack the advantages afforded to a band embedded into a scene. So if you're a metal band in Helsinki or you're a metal band in the early 90s in the Gothenburg scene, or you're a band on the LA Strip or in the Bay Area or any other scene that you want to think of, if you're if you're growing, if you're growing up and developing outside of that scene, you're going to find it difficult. And one of the things, one of the parallels I think we could make is think back to what Steve Hughes was talking about on our previous episode, where he was saying, where could he go to gig? He had to drive to Melbourne. It was a 12 hour drive. They played one show in front of a handful of people and then they drove back. And we, and whereas he said, if he, if his bands in the 1980s had been European, they probably would be still going. He wouldn't have been a comedian. He'd probably be a quite heavyweight on the European metal scene yeah. because he had an audience. He had access to a scene. When you don't have access to a scene, I think you're never going to get the kind of mass, the quantity of bands that, that places like Norway and Sweden and Finland produce um, because they've got scenes with, with strong infrastructure and scenes which aren't looked at as being on the periphery of society or threat so um and you've got the the local you've got localized um support structure which acts within a global business and distribution system dominated by a shrinking number of global giants so there's a there is do you know the name of the the um uh the main finnish metal band uh label Yes, that's it. Anthony's oh, Spine Farm, yeah. Spine Farm, yeah. So they they're responsible for for the vast majority of um, Finnish metal bands being signed and being produced. Um, they're like a feeder they, label to Nuclear Blast. Spine Farm. They kind of start there and then work their way through to Nuclear yeah. Blast. Well, I think you've got to. I mean, again, if you look, at, if you go back to the nineteen seventies and the nineteen eighties, there are three bands which really precipitated the Hanoi. Not, not sorry, not the Hanoi. Hanoi Rocks is one of the bands, sorry. Uh, the Finnish metal seems Hanoi Rocks, Sarcophagus, and Stone in the in the 1970s and the 1980s, uh, respectively. And then in the 1990, early 90s, you had the development of Spine Farm Records, which supported quite a lot of the um, Finnish metal scene. And the four largest record labels in Finland, they have a market share of 80%. 75% of them are based in Helsinki. And just to go back to this kind of idea of the scene, the infrastructure and the support and the way that the society view it. In 2011, 15 million euros in support grants, which make up two to 3% of the total income of all Finnish artists was given to metal bands to help them pay for production costs, living costs and other costs so this you know very similar to sweden so again you know these bands have got access to support both culturally and financially and the um whereas we said in the in the in the finnish episode in the swedish episode that um 
uh, Swedish music production makes up two to three percent of their GDP. It's also the same in Finland. It's about one point nine percent of their GDP is metal bands. So it is a substantial part of their economy, and it's also supported by the Finnish Foreign Office. That they will, when they have cultural events abroad, they will. Um, one of the things they do uh, to put on a show is they they will promote Finnish metal because they don't shy away from it because again it's not viewed as something that's uh, derisive to Finnish society. They're proud of it. It's not it's not like the black sheep that you've got to send to the cupboard when people come around because you're embarrassed to share it. And what I was and I was thinking about this. One of the things I think it was quite nice to see with the Commonwealth Games was when you've got Tony Iommi playing in the opening ceremony, I know he's from Birmingham, but there's a much higher level of acceptance now. And it seems that the UK in the last 10 or 15 years has finally got over this idea that heavy metal is something to be taken the piss out of and that it's finally something that you can actually legitimately be proud of. But the, the contribution that the, the, this country's music scene has made to going to get back to again the quote that we've made about um rob zombie about metal being the, the largest genre of music in the planet that no one's ever heard of yeah yeah so you know it's about time so i think those are the some of the reasons why finland has such a, a strong metal scene it's not just because uh they share something in common with Sweden or Norway or anything like that. I think, again, it, it, they've got they've got support, they've got acceptance, they're willing to experiment with it, and people are willing to accept their experimentation. Now, I did find something funny. <laughs> okay, so there was another article I found, which was a kind of a transcription of a metal conference that took place in 2015. It was called Modern Heavy Metal. Markets and practices. It was like a symposium <laughs> of heavy metal and business practices. Now, guess who the <laughs> keynote speaker was? Go on. It's not. It's not someone. It's not someone really random. You will have heard them before. They're a very good guitar player. They like to they like to piss about with jazz music as well. Any guesses? Alex Skolnick. Okay. Right, he was the keynote speaker, and his speech was called "Unexpected Metalheads," and um, he talked about typical and unexpected character types. And he's basically he was arguing that, I um, mean, his life experience as a metal musician, um, that the typical metalhead is viewed as a meathead, Beavis and Butthead, for example. Yeah, and that was his keynote speech. And then I, I kept on reading this article because it, it got funnier. So then again, the the one of the the people that's quite you know in involved in the metal study scene dino weinstein who wrote the book i think metal and culture she discussed metal as having three waves so 1970s to 1920s the birth of metal and then it devolves into fragmentation very much like a religion would when you've got different sects 1990s is the globalization of metal and now they argued that in the 2020s we're in the third wave of post-globalization of metal, which is where you see metal spreading into more developing um, areas. And uh, this is the funny thing. Weinstein refused to, to, to credit glam or hair metal in any of these stages, right? <laughs> um, 
and insisted that glam metal was not metal canon and shouldn't be allowed into metal canon. The, the, the next speaker, John McComb, mentioned the friction between glam and the rest of metal based on glam being seen as inauthentic. Now, we mentioned that in the working class thing, that there should be a transaction between uh, band and, and crowd and that the band reflect how the crowd want to be seen. So it's that that kind of, if you're an in, inauthentic in the crowd's eyes, you won't get anywhere. But this guy, he argued that glam should be admitted to the canon of metal. But he was very strongly opposed by the final keynote speaker of the conference, who was none other than Anthrax guitar player, Scott Ian. Scott Ian. <laughs> he talks a good game, said, Scott Ian. Who, who, yeah, who said, who seconded Weinstein, saying that glam metal had absolutely nothing to do with metal. And was more of an uh, an abstraction and akin to mainstream rock rather than metal. And then he went on to highlight the authenticity, the authenticity of the New York thrash scene. So that's just that that's like a tangent I went off in my reading today, but it was based on Finland. But this conference was held in Finland. So this took place at a Finnish university. So again, it goes back to this idea that you don't, you know, metal's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing to be shunned. You know, you can have you can have a, uh, a meeting of academics and people are going to go to it. And, and it got coverage in the, in the Finnish press and media. So okay, that is, that's a big difference to what, what we see in the, in the UK and the U S where metal to some extent is still viewed as being some kind of pariah. It almost seems like um, there's more of an acceptance in Finland than even than there is in Sweden. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we can't talk about we can't talk about acceptance without talking about Lordy in 2006 Eurovision that um, mm. even the president the president and prime minister at the time um, both openly promoted heavy music um, and its benefit to Finland's economy um, it's almost like it gave it an official validation like a government validated music and that you know it's all about export for Scandinavian countries it's Sweden were exactly the same it's, it's that, that export economy is what they're basing all this on you know bands remember, like, bands you... like nightwish and children of bottom they they were sort of million selling artists worldwide so you know that's fairly extreme music that's gone on to sell over a million albums well do you, do you remember in like i think it was either late 97 or early 1998 when you had the whole cool britannia thing and mm -hmm. uh tony blair was inviting uh oasis around to 10 downing street for drinks with kate moss and all the other yeah, artists yeah. where well, was fucking maiden <laughs> like, you, you know, I mean, would have gone. Yeah, yeah, but where where were the metal bands? You could, yeah, you know, yeah. you could have. And, and again, we're, 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 the, the UK mainstream is more more akin, they're more willing to to cozy up to like bands like Oasis and Blur, who you know, rather than bands like Maiden and Black Sabbath. Well, in, you know, in all honesty, I mean, someone want to fact check this for me? Who sold more records globally, Maiden or Oasis? Does anyone want to check that? I can imagine it's close, but I will have a look. I would say, I would say it's Maiden, but I, I, I think I think it is Maiden. I don't yeah, think but, Oasis have got even, anywhere near. Even if that. Oasis have sold more records, they don't get their own plane. They don't get their own seven four seven. That's true. And 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 even if they did, the fuckers couldn't fly it. It's not even close. It's not even close. Maiden's worldwide album sales are, are in excess of two hundred million. Um, Oasis as of 2022 is just over 70 million so 
<laughs> you man twats. Big... <laughs> Do you know why? Because Noel can't play the guitar for shit. Oh fucking hell! Um, but that's that. That a lot of that comes from longevity, doesn't it? You know, Maiden have been around doing it for well over forty years, and Oasis are never gonna, just never gonna be that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, because ever. because Noel and Liam are still going to watch Man City games, going on about Johnny Mangan, fucking shalala. <laughs> Sorry to listeners in Manchester, <laughs> and probably anybody in the north. To be honest, it probably offended everybody. Um. So, what were we saying? Yeah, acceptance in Finland. I mean, since since Lordy did Eurovision, there's been other teases of of sort of rock and metal bands doing Eurovision. It's never really got to the same kind of because it, it was an impact, wasn't it, Lordy? It was the first time anything like that ever happened, and anything that comes after it, trying to do the same kind of thing, is just going to be well. Lordy did it before, but it has it did put Finland on the map when it came to heavy metal i mean lordy i think did lordy churn out six albums in a year in 2020 or 2021 something something stupid like that again i'll have to fact check that but just churned out all these albums in one year it was probably most of it nonsense but someone was buying it otherwise they wouldn't have done it but i think the only issue with that is that Lordy are not a true representation of what Finland offers the metal scene, not even close, because Lordy just aren't very good. You know, I can think of a couple of couple of half decent songs, one of them being the one they did at Eurovision. And with everything else that comes out of Finland, they don't even they don't even scratch the surface. So, but they, they you know they had their they had their impact, and it's it's obviously you know Finland has obviously benefited from it. Um, now there's, there's something that, that came up and Padre I know you mentioned earlier on about fact checking this about this, this town in the southeast of Finland called Lemmy there is a town in Finland called Lemmy spelled L-E-M-I um, and according to these stats that town has the most metal bands per 100,000 inhabitants there's only 3,500 people that live there but apparently on a percentage basis it's the highest rate in the country Again, don't know whether that's actually true, but the fact there is a town called Lemmy, it kind of, almost like it should be the case. It's almost like natural selection. I can't find any facts, but I hope it's true, and I need to go there purely because it's called Lemmy. I I, I looked into it, and um, I couldn't find that many figures for Helsinki. I mean, because, I mean, based on on what I read, you you would assume that the, the scene would... Okay, to use that word earlier, agglomerate around Helsinki. But I, I did look at it, and I, I was I was a little bit suspect of. So said something about um, the ratio was like um, four hundred twenty-three to one or something. So, yeah. um, which I'm sorry, that's that's. I think that's playing fast and loose with your statistics there. Um, but uh, wasn't it some kind of competition or something that was run by a, a radio station? Some something along those lines. Yeah, there's there's very. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm. I, I, I think I think it's it's a bit of a laugh, isn't it? I mean, yeah, like being that, and, and the the mayor of the city was was then in t- uh, titled the mayor of metal. Yeah, that's funny, cool, yeah. great stuff. Um, so I think it just speaks to the fact that they just 
they seem to be more willing to like have fun with it rather than have make fun of it. Yeah, a sense of humor without taking the piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which is ironic considering a lot of music that comes out of Finland is quite gloomy. You know, the um the, the gossiping bands like Swallow the Sun, Sentence, Amorphous, you know, there is quite a lot of gloomy music, which Finland is was is the happiest place on earth to live, I believe. In yeah, the because they've got happiness. fucking Lapland and reindeer. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you've got a kid in Finland who's not happy, what do the parents do? Right, come on, go see Santa. He'll cheer you up. Tell him what you want. He'll give it to you. Go go and stroke that reindeer. That'll, that'll cheer you up. Right, come on back. Take him on a sledge, you know. I mean, and, you know, how can anyone be depressed in a country without many saunas? But it's, but it, it, again, it's the same as Sweden, isn't it? It's the, it's the darkness through the winter and that, which apparently is, you know, I've, I've read quite a lot that, that that contributes to the metal scene. That's probably bollocks, but I mean, it might, it might, it, it, it might do it in terms of the fact that it, they, there's not a lot to do. So yeah. you know, you're yeah. gonna have, you know, people are gonna stay inside and write music to keep themselves occupied. It's the same. It's the same thing. If if you look at statistics, okay. How many people do you know that have a birthday in September? Where's Christmas babies? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same, you know, like uh, if you look at Siberia, most children are conceived during the winter months because there's nothing, you know, they, they can't go outside. So what are they? They're at home basically copulating. Yeah. Um, because there's nothing to do. So probably in Finland, that's why I wouldn't be surprised if most most children are conceived during the winter. Yeah, probably. Um this this whole happiness scale thing is a weird one because Sweden is quite high up in the list as well, isn't it? and I think the, I think most of Scandinavia is quite high on the happiness scale. So there must be something in it that that I don't know. Maybe maybe artists find it easier to to express emotions, and that, and that's why that's why the music comes out in the way it does. I, I don't know. There's some of the musical output from Finland. There's a lot of fantasy. There's there's a lot of very over-the-top subject matter, the, you know, big solos. Like I said earlier on, that musical complexity as well, it's got a, it's got a distinct ID to it that even Sweden doesn't have. Gothenburg, yes, but Finland. I can generally recognise a Finnish band just by hearing them. You think, yeah, they're, they're definitely... It could be a big factor. could be the fact that they have a distinctive piece of literature that unifies the country. The, Ka- the Kalevala. Okay. Kalevala, yeah, I think it's pronounced. 19th century work of epic co- poetry compiled by Elias Lernrut. It's an epic story about the creation of the earth. So it's well, that, very much... That kind of oh, goes hand in hand with the fantasy element of heavy metal. Ex- exactly. When you've, got, when you've got something that's... It sounds like it's mandatory reading and the curriculum. And so when you've got something like that, that's going to be appealing to everyone. You're not just forcing kids to read Macbeth or something that might not be appealing to young people even though it's actually good for their development when you've got something that's interesting but also relevant to your nationality and your heritage um, that can stir the imagination it can change your outlook uh, compared to what you would be like if you were in another country well it's like what Padre was saying earlier on it's 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 ingrained in kids from such a young age and if, if they've got this freedom to explore all different kinds of music not like it was for us when we were in school you know if if, if they if they take an interest in in heavy metal and they can then um, express that 
in school, which is something you would never get here, certainly not on a on a large scale, they're gonna th- kids are gonna thrive on that because kids are sponges anyway. There's there's a parallel in Finland, and this is this is not music related, but there is a parallel, and that's rally driving. Um, that kids in Finland are taught to drive from about five years old, and because they're taught to drive, you know, up in the mountains and on muddy tracks and things like that, Finland has produced more rally world champions than any other country and it's because they start so young so it's that same principle it's obviously so big in their culture that it's important that the kids grow up with it and they're almost educated with it can you imagine doing a music lesson in school and being taught about slayer it's it's, it's ludicrous to even think about but it's, it's that it's just i don't know we we can be jealous of finland and sweden and possibly to a lesser extent, Norway. Um, but it's, it's, it's there for the whole world to see. Who produces the better bands, though? Who produces the stronger material, Sweden or Finland, since we, we talked about both countries now? Well, the, one thing that I'd like to know or try to identify, which I'm struggling with, is when that flipped, because Sweden... Have been they've been doing it for longer? Yeah, that yeah. thing. As have Norway. Um, in, Certainly in on a global ways. scale. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in different ways. Finland were lagging. Um, they caught up, and they leapt ahead in terms of numbers. Um, but you've still got the situation where, yeah, they've got more bands per capita, way more bands per capita, than anyone in the world. Yeah, I don't think they're quite as prolific as Swedish bands. They don't have a Gothenburg scene. They don't have an In Flames, but they don't even have a Europe. Yeah, that's true. As much as you can say Night Your Nightwish and Your Children the Bottom are huge musical exports with regards to their own country, I think on a global scale, they're not. And something I saw with a lot of the articles we were looking at, I think a lot of the time they were, they were certainly written by Finns. Because a lot of time I saw commonly these are huge musical exports, they're massive worldwide. And I'm thinking, are they to this, as much as you think they are? I think they're quite big for you and they've done well for you, but I don't think they are as big as In Flames, for example. Um, has there ever, has there ever been a, um, I mean, I can't yeah. think of one, has there ever been a big Finnish pop export? Because, you know, Norway had Aha, Sweden had. What were they called? Um, oh yeah, ABBA. But this, but this um, is it. No, no. no I, I was looking, looking on a couple. I was looking on Last FM and Best Ever Albums, and looking at the Finland export list, so to speak. And there were, if it wasn't a metal band, it was someone I'd never heard of. Yeah, they've got indie bands, they've got pop artists, hip hop, and all that. They cover all ground, um, but no, they don't. They don't have a, a Robin or a Ha Ha, an Abba or an Aha. They don't have a Robin. They don't yeah. have a Feist or or a Licker Lee um, or a Sia. Um, there, there doesn't seem to be anyone pop wise who who were big. Their biggest their biggest band is Nightwish. Yeah, I mean eight million records sold. I mean this yeah. is a population of five million. Yeah, so that's that's that is huge with regards to their their country. They should be proud of that. But yeah, it's 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 an odd one. I can't I can't see that there's anything pop wise 
Um, so I think that's why I think they, I think metal means a lot more to them within. Well, but like, was it was that band the Rasmus finish? Yeah, they they did Eurovision this year. Yeah. But they they weren't in that list. When I saw like the biggest sellers on that list in Finland on best ever albums, I couldn't find they weren't there. Because no, they never really went anywhere, did they? There was, oh, no, 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 it was very brief. They um, felt like one of those bands that were signed off the success of him. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know. Yeah, I, I, this is this is why I think in some ways I think Sweden certainly got that advantage because I think they've got the um, the bigger profile internationally. But I think that's because of your Abbas, yeah, world and your Robins uh, and your Swedish. Uh, house mafias and anything there which Finland haven't quite got um but may- and maybe that's why they've they've become quite insular and, and they've got this this uh, this glut of bands within themselves because they've once they've caught up and they've worked out what they they liked and I'm, I'm, I can't pinpoint when that is exactly but um they worked out what was good for them realize what worked for them and they they throw themselves into it and it's like well we're going to do this if it's big if it's popular great if it's not so what we've we've got it but i think sweden have maybe had had their eyes on the market internationally globally a lot longer so it's almost like it almost feels like with sweden it was planned with with finland it's kind of just happened possibly yeah i think the the article we we wrote actually meant uh, we wrote we read it mentioned that there was a reluctance to get into metal culturally because it was it was not Finnish, it was not Scandinavian, it was a yeah, it was an Anglo thing, American. It, it's it's stone and sarcophagus were aberrations. Yeah, I know, I know rocks. They pretty much relocated to become an LA glam band, didn't they? Yeah, they so, did. Yeah, um, that that was. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even Sweden. Uh, I should point out, they had a band called the EF Band that were wrapped up with a new new Wobbum. Uh, bands because there there was nothing in Sweden at the time, um, but Finland, yeah, I think they 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 didn't get into it for quite some time, and those extreme bands like 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 Amorphis and and the Herricks and, and whatnot, they were they were aberrations, um, and it took a while, and I think cute the late nineties, it, it's just they started to realise that it was worth getting involved. I wonder, I wonder if, if um... the Swedish stuff and the Norway stuff and said, hang on a minute. You know, we're we could be as good as them. I wonder if um, that 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 aberration you talk about of, of you know sort of extreme music. There's quite a few Finnish bands that started out as extreme metal bands and then got considerably more accessible. So kind of went down the goth route. So Sentence to one of them, Amorphis or another, um, Sharon or another, just to name it three. They all started as death metal bands, and and as as the '90s and into the 2000s, and as Finnish music became more popular they altered their sound now some could argue oh you're selling out or whatever but they they went for a much more accessible approach than just being a death metal band and i i think you know the success of nightwish must have had something to do with that children of bottom kind of sit somewhere in the middle because they they've got elements of of, of extreme metal and power metal and cock rock and yeah and kind of all of that they, they kind of cover every base but you know, bands like I said, Sentenced and Sharana, that they've got that kind of Sisters of Mercy type sound mixed with classic rock. Yeah, Sentenced. So what I heard of them, they 
for me, there was parallels with Paradise Lost, definitely. Yeah, yeah, another one. Yeah, yeah, Paradise Lost in that kind of um, the, the late 90s kind of era when they went a bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. It's a similar kind of thing. But again, the, um, the stuff they write, particularly Sentence, big, driving, you know, hard rock kind of thing. It's got kind of like an arena rock type of feel to it with, mm-hmm. a, with that gothic tinge. So it, it's, it's that yeah, finished identity. There was a bit of an Alice in Chains tinge, I thought. Yeah, yeah, there's that in there a bit, you know, the kind of croonerish type of vocals, I suppose, it is quite similar. Um, but this is what brings me back to what I said earlier on about the amount of Finnish bands that you hear them and you just think, yeah, they're Finnish. And there's there's a huge amount of variety. You know, some of the bands like Corpic Klan, I mean, they're just fucking bonkers. You know, but it, they, they've got, you know, this huge cult following across Europe. And I wouldn't be surprised. I'd imagine like so South America probably love it as well. And most of the songs are about booze or hunting. But yeah. you know what? It's, well, this, this is um, the thing about Heavy Saurus, the kids band we talked about. They um, they don't really play in Europe. They're, they're for Finnish children. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a finished thing. It. Yeah, yeah, from what they I've do seen. what they do, and and they're good at what they do, but they go to Argentina a lot. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, they go to Argentina. They sing in Spanish, and apparently, groups of Argentinian adults go there by themselves, no kids, because it's the metal. That's mad. That's mad. But you wouldn't get that in any other form of music. No. no. You know, you wouldn't get that kind of cross appeal. That's crazy. Heavy source for Bloodstock, twenty twenty three, please. I mean, I've seen the videos. I'm I'm struggling to see how the, the keyboard player can play, <laughs> quite frankly, with those those gloves, gloved hands. I think the only thing that um that the UK has ever come close to with that is probably the Wombles, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Mike Bat, definitely. <laughs> he's a he's a proper glam rock legend. <laughs> but I yeah, why when when did that switch get flipped? And they went from being behind not only Scandinavia, but, you know, so, well, not only the world, but Scandinavia. When did they leap ahead and just be numeric? Was it Lordy? I think, because I, th- I think you can, I think you can attribute it to, to Lordy and Nightwish when, when Nightwish, you know, did like the cover of Phantom of the Opera, for instance, that, that kind of, that kind of picked up. And this was in the early, the early days of streaming music as well. So it, that's something that picked up, but Lordy's an obvious one, and it's best bound to have, have grown the, the Finnish scene. So I remember going back 18 years ago when you moved back to Cornwall and I just got broadband where I lived, and we were talking a lot on MSN. MSN Messenger. Um, and we'd already done, got done the Swedish conversation. We'd, we'd seen in Flames uh, once or once or twice, maybe, I don't know, but we certainly then, yeah, a few times got, got, got into certain bands and, and whatnot. And I think we were talking on MSN frequently, and it seemed to be that every other band you were recommending to me around 04, 05 was Finnish. This is where yeah. I first came across Corpy Clark. Oh, just don't get me started. He was on the right Finnish trip back then. Yeah, insomnia. He'd be walking up to people on like Red Reef High Street going, my God, if you had Nightwish. You know, he wouldn't let it go. I've never recommended Nightwish in my life. That's not going to happen. Yeah, you'd be in kebab shops at two o'clock in the morning going, have, have you heard that bloody children bod- bottom that they're banned? <laughs> nah, Teresa, Sonata, Arctica, it's, I'd, I'd never heard of these bands before, but, but you were just 
dropping them constantly. I can't even remember where it came from. The, the, fir- the first time he started talking oh, he... to me about psoriasis, I thought he thought he was trying to tell me he had some kind of skin condition. <laughs> well, I think you you were clearly your situation had changed, so you were digging through the broadband and trying to find new stuff to listen to. And yeah, I was like, unemployed for a little bit. That was it. I mean, you know, we just seen bottom. Hate Crew Death Row came out, come out in yeah. 03. Nightwish once was 04. Trisis Battle Metal was 04. Yeah. Um, that's when a lot of those bands were getting prolific. And yeah, I can see how you probably stumbled across them and thought, Well, on. the first um the first bloodstock we went to in 2004 in Derby was uh, was Bottom and Sonata Arctica, wasn't it? Oh Christ! It was Bottom there as well. Yeah, Bottom headline, oh, Sonata Arctica were um were second yeah, headliner. Because I yeah, yeah. saw we saw Bottom and Synergy at the LA two. Yeah, which was just ridiculous, quite frankly. Um, I yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm at that point. I've forgotten a lot of the gigs I've been to. Uh, yeah, Bloodstock 2004. Yeah, Sonata Arctica. They did play that, didn't they as well? Yeah, Christ. Yeah. I think Synergy played that as well, actually, which was Alexi Lyho's wife. They did, yeah, yeah. We, we they did. We saw them, yeah. Yeah, um, and a cover of Blondie's Hanging on the Telephone. Um, <laughs> but I think, just to summarise it from, from the music there, and I think for me it's, you know, a lot of my favourite bands are Swedish, yes, but what, what I love about the Finnish scene is, like I said earlier on about bands like Children of Bottom, that they mix power metal, cock rock, death metal, thrash metal, and manage to sort of squeeze all that into one song. And there's there's quite a few other bands that, that mix lots of different subgenres of metal all in one, but it all works. And they, they've they got this, this distinct sound. And, it, and it's, I don't know, there's something very appealing about, they, they there is that don't give a shit attitude. This is what we do. We're fucking good at it. This is what it's going to sound like. And Children at the Bottom are at the, the, the top end of that. I, um, I want to mention something, actually. Um, something I, I noticed today when I was listening to Nightwish. I was listening to Once. Yeah. That's one of the big albums. And I did, yeah. I remember enjoying it at the time it came out. It was their breakthrough, um, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And I, I, I never got into them properly. I mean, I, as I said, never really been into symphonic metal and the operatic stuff. But I, yeah, that album I did like. But second track on that is a track called I Wish I Was an Angel. Or I Wish I Had an Angel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great track. Goes along at a decent pace drummer um and then you get the chorus which steps up a gear and it and it switches to a drum machine yeah i've never noticed that before and i've never come across that i don't think in any other metal band at all taking that approach maybe a drum machine for a verse and then a big chorus but i've never seen it or heard it heard it rather go the other way where you've got a a live drummer and then you, you have a this really big chorus and you bring a drum machine on it I'm going to have to go back and listen That's, to that. I, I well, remember the I song. I think it's a drum machine. I'll be honest. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But that's what it sounds like when I was listening to it carefully earlier today. And maybe, maybe that's it. There, there's that willingness to experiment and do subtle little things differently. Um, I, will, um, I, mean, I will go and listen to that. I mean, how many bands that aren't finished using accordion, for Christ's sake? Yeah, that's true. But that's that's what I love about it. And there's there's been some great cover versions that have come out of Finland as well. I mean, you, oh. <laughs> you can't knock your eyes cover of, of Rasputin. Rasputin yeah, yeah. And I also, <laughs> what did I also stumble across today? Fin Troll uh, did a cover of um, 
Can You Forgive Her by the Pet Shop Boys. Oh, my God. Which is one of my favourite songs. I'm not quite sure it works, but <laughs> well done to them for the effort. Oh, um, yeah, that, that cover of um, Rasputin is classic. It, it is. It, I, it, it works. It, and it works with the style of music as well. I managed to do a mixtape at a work party once and include it. So no, it's, um, I don't regret that. Yeah, it's, it's a quality cover. It's a quality cover. Um, uh, you know, what, what can we say any more than that about Finland, really? It has churned out some great bands and it, and it does have, it definitely has that kind of don't give a shit feel. This is, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Whether it's power metal, whether it's death metal, thrash metal, goth metal, whatever it is, they, they do things their own way. And I think that's what, that's one thing that can set them above Swedish metal for me. It's, it's that that uniqueness that they've got in Finland. There might be less commercial success, I suppose, on a on a wider scale. Um, it's only really a couple of bands, like we said, that have, that have really made it. But in comparison to Sweden, but there's been some some great material. So we'll we'll have to uh, we'll 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 talk about Norway in a few weeks, and and we'll we'll sort of compare the three different scenes and the differences between them and why Norway is so much more evil than the others. No, I, that, 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 not, not a few weeks. Let's not put a time frame on that. That's a beast. That's, that's almost, I reckon that's a, two, that's two episodes right there. It, yeah, it could be. Cause it's, it's not the problem with Norway is it isn't just about music. Is it? That's, it's a whole different, it's a subculture in itself. Black Marley. It's got more in common with with punk than it has anything else for me because of the I'm not, I'm not going to use the word ethics as such, but the beliefs. It was so anti-establishment and on the extreme scale, you know. And a lot of them were were utter scum, which you can't say about Finland and Sweden. You know, Norway was full of essentially terrorists. You know, yeah, so, pretty much. Yeah, so, it was it was it was domestic terrorism. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, and so it's um, that's that's a, a big one to talk about that. But we will definitely, we will definitely cross that bridge because it, we put. Is there going to be a if we cross that bridge? Will there be a troll under it? There will be a troll under it. Yeah, but it'll be talking Swedish. Um, yeah, that might be a uh, that probably be something that we spread across a couple of episodes because it's one thing to talk about the music. You know, Norway's given us some great music, but it, it's almost you can't you can't separate you. you, you they are two sides of the same coin. You can't really talk about one without the other. No, you can't. But you, you, if you take the music as a standalone product, it, it's the music and what was going on behind the scenes. It's almost just coincidental that it was around the music. They're just terrorist scum. I don't know. Oh, I don't know, man. No, I know. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't think you can say it was coincidental. I don't know. It's, it's it's a difficult one to um, it's a difficult one to address that. So we'll uh, we'll we'll come back to it. We'll do a bit more fucking research. It's a bit of a monster. I think I need to read Laws of Chaos first because I've still not read it. Yeah, read. Have you watched the film? I have. Yeah. Yeah. So read read yeah. the book because the the book is without wanting to sound like a pretentious wanker saying, oh, the film is shit, you've got to read the book. It's kind of true with Lords of Chaos. I mean, the book wasn't a book about the scene and the film just focused on yeah. him, 
really. Yeah. It's more like the, a biopic. The, the book, the book is, is about the, the inner circle and the whole thing, whereas the film, yeah, just glamorises the murders and the, and the church burnings. So it's definitely worth reading the book. I've got a copy if you want it. Um, but yeah, that's about that. Next week, talking of two-part monsters, um, we're going to start talking about the 90s because we haven't touched that yet. We slag it off a lot, certainly the latter part of the 90s. So next week's episode will be the early part of the 90s um, and grunge and... Is it possible Is it possible to... Can we get through the 90s and, and, and just... Just gloss over new metal and then no. have a sep- no, no, and have a separate new metal, not episode, but more like, like a lynching. No, yeah. I, I, the the problem with doing things like that is we we've all got opinions on new metal um, and how much we dislike it, but it, we're now at a point in in life where it has its place in metal history, whether we <laughs> like it or not. Look, just it does. Uh, a hundred percent does. Sometimes your words hurt. <laughs> good. I'm glad they hurt. Sometimes pain is good. It's cathartic. Ask Rob Flynn. It's not cathartic. It is. But you cannot deny new metal's importance. You can't. It's shit. I will deny that. it. I will deny it. Well, my last yeah. breath. Put it, we will, put it this we way. Will, Put it this way, so much great proper metal that sounds like proper metal came after new metal because people thought, you know what, that shit, yeah, that shit, let's do this. And that that shift was, yeah, you can't you can't see that relationship. I can't see a lot of the good stuff that, that re- we got in the early noughties happening in the late 90s because the timeline just wouldn't have allowed it. New metal needed to happen. We needed to get it out of us, get it out of the way. That'll be an interesting discussion. But we'll we'll, we'll start the 90s off by talking about the early 90s next week because, you know, the late 90s, yes, new metal, we, we all know we don't like it. But the early 90s, not just in metal, but in hard rock in general, gave us some awesome music we've talked about 1992 before and some of the albums that came out that year so that's where we are next week um but thank you for listening tonight and uh, or this week this morning whatever it'll be when you actually listen to this um dark gloomy miserable fucking mornings um we'll uh, we'll see you next week